It's my great honour now to be joined by one of Australia's greatest ever sports stars, Sherelle McMahon, champion netballer, matter of fact, two-time world champion netballer, two-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist, captain the Australian team of the 2010 Commonwealth Games and was our national flag bearer, 118 games in her national colours, in the domestic scene in Australia, six-time Premiership player, captain of the Melbourne Phoenix, the first ever captain of the Melbourne Vixens. And as well as that, I love this. So the MVP for the Vixens, they get the Sherelle McMahon medal. Sherelle won her own medal twice, 2009-2010, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and now, don't worry about my words. Norma Plummer, a former Aussie coach and one of the netball greats, Sherelle McMahon, probably the most athletic player of natural talent to have played the game of netball. That's pretty impressive stuff. And we have the lady herself, Cheryl McMahon. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, Norma's words, very nice. I was very lucky to have been coached by Norma both at Clubland and for the Aussie Diamonds. So she's a very scary and impressive lady who had a huge influence on my life. But uh, I do have to say that when I was lucky enough to win the Melbourne Vixens MVP, it was not called the Cheryl <laughs> yeah. McMahon medal at that stage. So yeah. that would have been a bit weird. It would have been a bit strange. I, I, I was taking licence. I was taking a little poetic licence there. <laughs> but, um, I mean, can I ask, like, uh, you know, do you ever get a chance, I don't know, when you're maybe sitting in the car at a set of traffic lights, do you ever have a chance to reflect? and go, my God, what I did was actually bloody amazing. Like, do you ever get a chance to soak it up? Like, because obviously so much during your career, you, you, you're trying so hard to get to where you want to get to. Uh, do you ever get a chance to reflect now? Not much, to be honest. I mean, life just goes on, doesn't it? And then, you know, for me, I, I'm in a very different um, space now, mm. um, being a mum and with my work, which we'll talk about later. But um yeah, I don't know. I think you just kind of move through that. Maybe it's when I get a little bit older and life slows down a little bit that I'll have time for that. The one thing I guess that um, I think the world of sport and particularly maybe netball and female sport is starting to do a little bit better now is celebrate our history. Yeah. That is one thing that I've really noticed in the last couple of years. That And, and I think we can continue to do that better because I don't think I'm alone that once I... You know, I, I was connected through my coaching uh, for many years um, on the back end of, um, of, of playing. But um, a lot of people, once they finish, they kind of move on to the next stage of their life and they don't have the time or the space to kind of really, really put into netball after that. So I, I think one of the good things that's, that's really started to, to lift is the way we recognise and, and remember what's gone before us. Yeah. And so... To that point, what Netball Australia has started doing is just releasing a few little bits and pieces about what's happened in the past. And one quite recently was the 99 World Cup, mm. which we won uh, by one goal right on the buzzer. It was the most amazing experience probably of my of my career. And so I actually watched that final quarter, which I, I can't remember ever doing. I've seen the clip of the final goal a thousand times. Yeah. But the, to watch the whole quarter and just see the ebb and flow of what was going on was actually pretty cool. 
That's amazing. I love that you're able to do that. And that's the thing I was going to say, like, what is there one moment in your career that, that stands out? But, and that was such a, a time of dominance in, in netball for Australia, wasn't it? I mean, you know, 98 Com Games and then 99 World Champions. It was a, a very special time. And yourself there as mm. this young star of the sport. I, I wanted to also touch on the fact, you know, I remember as a, you know, as a, as a teenager watching um, The Fat, which was a sports show on the ABC. And, you know, uh, 20 years ago or so we're talking and, you know, back then so much focus was on men's sports and not a lot on women's Mm. sports. But I thought you, just as a young kid watching yourself on TV, you were such an amazing ambassador for for netball, but for women's sports. You really, I don't know, you really were able to connect with the audience. Can I talk to you now about, as as a woman athlete, how tough it was at those times to be able to, I suppose, try to get the the recognition. I mean, netball's obviously always been strong, but just getting that space in the media uh, and, and in public uh, domain, now obviously it's so much better, but you were a real trailblazer for women athletes. Um, can I talk to you about that journey and how nice it is now for you to see that it finally the due recognition is being uh, given um, with such gusto? Yeah, it it was an amazing time to be to be honest. And I think um, five years before the '99 World Cup that we were just talking about was '95, and the the World Cup was in Sydney, and that was the first really really the first time I'd ever seen the Diamonds play. Mm. So I was about 16 years old, um, and it kind of was that moment for me that I was like, wow you know, that's, that's something that can, can happen. And so that was, that was really exciting. And so there'd been this little bit of building from 91 as well, where there was an amazing moment where Vicky Wilson shot the winning goal effectively in that world cup. And it was just this kind of gradual, slow build. And then what happened in 99 was that it was on channel 10 um, for the first time on free to air TV. And it was an incredible game, obviously. And so many people still remember that game if they're old enough. Um, and, you know, I think it was a moment in time for netball that it really just everyone was like, wow, this is an awesome sport. Mm. Finally, it was visible where it really hadn't been previous to that. So I think it was a moment in time for, for the entire sport, but certainly for me because of the role I played yeah. in, in that. And and as a young kid, you know, I was only 20, I think I just turned 21 when that was happening. Um, you know, it was all very new and fun and, and that's how I approached it. You know, I went on shows like The Fat, um, which was a reference to chewing the fat, having a chat, not like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to clarify that. But, um, you know, that was all those opportunities kind of came off the back of that, I guess. And, you know, I think for me, I'm a, I'm a country girl. I still think I feel like a country kid, mm. really. I've been living in Melbourne for well over half my life now. Um, but, you know, I've kind of always stayed true to that, true to who I have always been. And, and that fundamentally for me is just having a bit of fun and enjoying talking about sport. Um, mm. And that that was a really nice time to kind of, start to grow this interest in in female sport it was really early on in those days and we fought really hard to get space in in the media in different ways and now other sports are starting to come along with that which is really exciting and I think the swell of that um, adds more force and more weight to it so that for me is a really 
exciting thing to see, you know, to see happening over the last probably even only five years or so. Yeah. Oh, bloody oath. And and I think you've uh, obviously, you know, the AFLW, when they started, they, they wanted to get people that really know elite sport. And the AFLW in their very first season had you on the match review panel. I know uh, <laughs> earlier this year you picked the All-Australian team and helped to pick the All-Australian team for the AFLW. And now, of course, you've taken on a huge role with Cricket Victoria as the head of female cricket. So can I ask, how have you been able to, I I suppose, bring all these lessons that you speak of from netball and then help, uh, you know, pass the baton on to these new emerging women's sports? Um, How has that process been for you? Yeah, and to be fair, I I don't know that we can call female cricket emerging. I mean, they've been trailblazers as well. They've kind of been along for the ride, although... You know, that, that's been really growing, particularly on the back of the WBBL mm. more recently. So um, I, I think that, that that's been something that I've loved on a, on a personal level. So when I was approached by the AFL to come on to their match review panel and to start help um, selecting rising star nominations and that sort of thing, I, I, I jumped at that chance yeah. because for me, you know, I love sport. I love netball, of course, and that's where all of my experiences have been. But I, I love sport. And so the the opportunity to kind of spread my wings a little bit into a different area was really exciting. Uh. Um, and so I've, I loved that. I loved working in that space. And, you know, being on the match review panel just enabled me to, you know, we were looking at footage each week and assessing incidences and so stuff that I'd never, ever had to do before. So you know, I've been lucky with the opportunities that sport has, has given me. And so I guess when Cricket Victoria approached me to um, look at this role as, as head of female cricket, I mean, initially my thoughts were, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm working in the netball space, obviously. I was still assistant coaching with the Vixens. Mm. Um, but over the last couple of years and probably particularly over this year, it's, uh, an idea had solidified for me that while, you know, the work I'm doing in netball, I love and probably I'll always work in netball and potentially go back there at some stage. But there was this I kind of a feel that I was I was wanting to experience something a bit different mm. as well. And so after initially saying no to Cricket Victoria um, and saying it's not quite the right time for family, for I'm not ready, I haven't done a role like that before, mm. I kind of sat back and with some encouragement from particularly the new CEO, Nick Cummins at, at Cricket Vic and a few other people to say, well, you know, we we think that you've got an enormous amount to offer in this space mm. and why don't you back yourself and give it a crack? And so that's what I did. I went through that interview process and was shocked each time I got through to the next step. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I really think that... Um, Bring being you know I've operated in a high performance sport for almost for, for, since I was sixteen years old effectively, yeah. and so the lessons I've learnt in terms of um, developing as we've spoken a little bit about that growth of netball and the change in the environment there, I feel like something that I can really add value to in the cricket space and. You know, while the sport's different and I won't be teaching them how to bowl an off break or anything, <laughs> anything like that or keep the elbow up. My dad was a cricket coach, so I know that. that um, although, although probably not in T20, is it? You don't really want to keep – you want to just open the shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, won't, I won't be going into any of that space. But in terms of, you know, how an athlete prepares, the environment you want to create, how you deal with the stresses that come along with um, – 
being an elite athlete, uh, those junior pathways are really important in the role that I've got at Cricket Victoria. And, you know, a big part of the puzzle for us is building that participation base. Mm. Um, because while there's some absolute um, legends, and we're so lucky in Victoria here to have two of the best ever, Elise Perry and Meg Lanning mm. currently, um, the reality for cricket still is that there's a big, um, a big piece of work that needs to be done around just building that participation base. So... Mm. While I'm working at that top end and really love working with elite athletes, a big part of it will be working right across the organisation to, to make sure we're, we're lifting that up as well. Fascinating what you said. In terms of that participation, what, what sort of strategies have you got to help grow the, the game of women's cricket? Yeah, good question. It's And it's one I've got meetings this week <laughs> about that to, to discuss it and um, I think Cricket Victoria and Cricket Australia both have done some really um, big work r- recently around the pathway program. So some uh, pathways for um, those talented athletes so they know, they can see visually how they would get from that club club land mm. through to representing Victoria or hopefully Australia or the WBBL. So, you know, there's some, been some really strong work done in that space and um you know, there's been already been some discussions around, okay, what what is our overall view on uh, the, the female cricket strategy and what are some of the things that we do? So there's there's lots of things in the school space that's already being done, mm. um, but it's, it's about working to get that track because there's good numbers actually in girls playing cricket in schools uh, because that, it's often part of what they have to do, but then it's translating that in, into getting them engaged in it and moving into the club level. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a piece of work. And, I mean, I'm a month into this role. Mm. Um, and so I've still got a lot of learning to do around how it all fits together. And, um, you know, some some hopefully some good work to be done there on, you know, just making sure that we're encouraging that and providing opportunities um, for, for girls and women to play. Mm. And without kind of – I feel like I'm going on a rant here, but the, the, the sense that I'm getting from – People who are in clubs and premier le- premier cricket and, and all the levels down, there's a real um, desire to grow into the female space. There's a real want yeah. um, to to provide those opportunities um, and to, to, to get into that space. And, you know, I think that's really exciting mm-hmm. um, because potentially in the past that hasn't been there that that real want and drive to to grow into the female space so that's been a shift and so i think our role at cricket victoria and cricket australia is to provide some really good kind of structure around that to make sure it's sustainable and to make sure that um you know as we're moving into adding more teams or providing more opportunities that that we're doing it in a way that we've we're engaging girls and females to to continue to want to play. So, you know, it's a it's a big piece of work that has to be done, but it's exciting. Well, you're the right person to be doing the job. Hey, you know, you've got some amazing role models. I think that's powerful. You know, like as you said, Meg Lanning, Elise Perry, two of the greatest of all time. In the same way that you were that amazing role model for netball. You know, even as I said, as a kid watching you, it was for me a, a big. So it is. It's having those sort of people that can really connect. And I think you've got you know. Know, some wonderful people in that regard, as I say. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I just read this survey actually from Price Waterhouse Coopers, and um, it was a, a global survey of sport. 
and it was talking about um, the recovery post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And it, it went through all this analysis and data. The third most popular men's sport in the world is cricket after soccer mm-hmm. and fighting. So fight like UFC and other fighting. Yeah. And then it's the sixth most popular women's sport. Yeah, which I thought mm-hmm. is just absolutely extraordinary. Once again, football or soccer, the world game is number one. But cricket is number six for women's sport already in the world. So there is so much uh, potential growth there. Um, can I ask, like, if you, for example, you had a, um, a 16-year-old or 18-year-old girl come to you and say, you know, one that's listening to this show right now, you know, how do I go about it? You know, for a promising young athlete, in terms of what are the keys whether it's netball, cricket, AFLW, for, for a young girl listening, what would be the key to take them from being a, a promising, talented youngster to taking it to the next level? I know it's a complex question, but as someone with your experience, would you have a couple of dot points, how you transition from being promising potential to genuinely making it at the elite level? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. As you say, it's quite complex and probably different for each person as they they come along but I think more general generally speaking I think um, if you're uh, talented and you're you've got a desire to want to take things further one of the the big things to me and I've seen a lot of athletes come through and I've seen a lot of incredibly talented athletes who absolutely could make it at the top level but just haven't had that um, real want or push to push to get themselves out of the comfort zone mm. and to really extend themselves and see how far they can go. Because I think part, sometimes part of the human nature is just to uh, set goals for ourselves that we know we can achieve and it's actually not that difficult to get to and whether that's how fast we can run, how high we can jump, you know, what team we're going for or whatever area of life it is. I think sometimes we can put a little bit of a box around ourselves Mm -hmm. because that's where we know we can be successful and we know we can do well. But my experience is it's the ones that really reach outside that box. Um, And it's not always going to work when you reach outside that box and it hasn't always for me. I've done that at times and and failed. Um, But it's in those failures that you learn about yourself and it's in those failures that you have that experience to then go, well, that didn't quite work, but I still want to reach outside that box. Let me have another go. Mm. And so it's those ones that continually do that and are okay with falling short. They're okay with failure. They're okay with mistakes Mm. um, that enable them to to really get the best out of themselves because then they're not afraid of taking a risk because the risk is really only really scary is if the worst case scenario is absolutely devastating. But if the worst case scenario is you don't quite get it right or you Mm. don't quite make it, well, you know what, that's okay because you just give it another go or you have a different try. So that would be a big one for me, like trying to shake that um, fear of failure, trying to shake that kind of restriction that you put on yourself um, because I think that's where you get the biggest growth. And um, the other one for me is... um, uh, being coachable right Mm. so um and so i've come across a lot of different coaches in my time and i've been incredibly lucky with who i've been coached by absolute legends of of my sport in netball and and that goes right from when i was junior i was really lucky with the coaches i've had but i haven't always like totally agreed with or believed what they were telling me but what i tried to do and what i learned quite early is that 
you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. If, if a coach is asking me to do something, or they're seeing something that they think can improve me as a person or me in my game, I'm gonna give it a go. Mm. And then again, if it works, amazing. If it doesn't, well, then you've kind of got another bit to your your toolkit to say, well, that didn't quite work. But being open to having people give you feedback and being open to people, um, you know telling you or, or suggesting new ways of doing things, I think is a really important thing too. Um, because I, I know that, you know, with athletes I've worked with, you can really see the ones who are open to that and the ones who are a, a little bit closed off to that. So um, there, there's a couple of couple of ones I think for me are, are important and have fun. That's the underlying thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. See, isn't that amazing? That's why I love talking to the elite because you have these pearls of wisdom like, you know, the fear of failure, getting rid of that, getting out of the comfort zone, uh, being open to advice, and then, yeah, having fun. I love it. Like, that's your three-point plan, honestly. For all there our, you go. Do it. For all our young athletes <laughs> listening, you know, there you go. I mean, I just, I love it. Hey, now, as we're recording this, the WBBL about to kick off in Tassie, and then I know it's gone on a little bit of a, a road trip uh, heading uh, to is. Adelaide, Perth. I think you're up at the Great Barrier Reef as well. So it's going to be yeah. pretty cool. Um, a huge WBBL summer uh, or spring. Um, how much are you looking forward to it? And what are you looking forward to, particularly with the Stars and the Renegades, of course, from a Cricket Victoria point of view for yourself? Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. The, um, the, the girls went down there a couple of weeks ago now. They've only recently got out of their quarantine. Mm. It was a soft quarantine for the Victorian athletes. They just got out in time to miss the hard quarantine in, oh, wow. in Tassie. So what that means is that they, they've been allowed to, um, in a very, very controlled way, mm. um, get out of the, the hotel room a couple, for a couple of hours each day and go to the ground. Once that was done, the training was done within, within that very controlled environment straight back into their um, room by themselves mm. um, in the hotel. So it's, you know, it's um, this is the thing about all athletes, and I know we've heard a lot about this across lots of different sports in the sacrifices athletes and, and the extended support staff are, are making yeah. around getting, you know, continuing these um, these competitions going on. It's, it's really significant. It's not an easy thing to do. So they, they've just come out of that. What am I looking forward to? I think for me... Um, there, there's a couple of names, obviously the Aussie players, a lot of the, well, there's six Victorians who play, um, in the Aussie squad uh, who are in, uh, have a CV contract, which is exciting. Not all of them come back into the Stars and Renegades, but Meg Lanning does. And, and I love watching her across all forms of the game. She's such an impressive, um, athlete. The way she goes about things is incredible. So I'm really excited to see her back in that environment. And Annabelle Sutherland is another one who, um, made her uh, test debut across the, the recent Indian series. And so she, she's an athlete that I'm really excited about looking at. Um, and Jess Duffin's an interesting one from the Renegades perspective. Um, she's an athlete who she's been playing both cricket. She's a cross-code athlete with the AFLW. Mm. Um, and uh, I think she's playing with the Kangaroos at the moment. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, someone. They'll probably be yelling through the, <laughs> through the speakers at me. Um, so Jess um, isn't actually involved in the as a Cricket Victoria contracted player, but she is with the Renegades. So she's taken her young daughter Georgie down to down to Tassie, and she's someone who's really exciting. And and I think for me, one of the stories 
that is really cool uh, about what happens sometimes in the WBBL where, um, you know, at cricket, we're certainly really open to athletes if they're wanting to explore other other avenues yeah. like cheese in the AFLW. We're really supportive of that and, and making sure we can provide an environment that she can manage that. Not only is she managing that, she's uh, managing being a mum in that in that environment as well. So um, those two things are, are really exciting. I mean, it's as we record this, it's tomorrow night that they start. So, mm. um, and then once you know, once you hit go on these uh, WBBL or uh, BBL seasons, it's like whoosh. Yeah. It happens in a, in a hurry. So um, they're they're ready because um, you know there's been delays in different ways because of COVID in terms of actually getting out on the field. So they're ready to go and very excited about it. Oh, bloody magnificent. I can't wait. And and also it was it was <laughs> great to see the longer format stuff too with the, the Aussie girls taking on the Indian girls in a, in a test match, really high-scoring draw a few weeks ago. And then there's a Ashes test at the back end of January. It's a huge summer for women's cricket. Uh, Sherelle, I know you're going to be a regular with us on the show. I really appreciate <laughs> your time. It is great having a true icon of a Australian sport on so and such a, a wonderful communicator as well so thank you very much Shrell I appreciate your time no worries it's been great to chat thanks